What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David and Isaac. Just us today. We, we don't have a third voice. Candace will be back with us, I'm sure, sometime next week. We're coming here, coming in for the post game on Super Bowl Sunday. Memphis Grizzlies hold off the Charlotte Hornets 125 to 118. And I th- this game pissed me off, man. This, I was so mad at this game. Like, there's no reason this should have got to single digits. This should not have been a clutch time game. The Grizzlies were dominating. And we talked about this on the previous show about the energy with this team and how they couldn't let up. And they they let their guard down a little bit. That defensive intensity took a step back. And here come the Hornets roaring right back into this thing. I got a couple other thoughts on this as to why they allowed them to climb back into it. But that that was number one. How are you feeling about this game last night, Isaac? Yeah, but it, it, this was a, a wild game. And we kind of, during the game, early in the game, when the Grizzlies, what I think their biggest lead was 35 uh, in this game. And, and we, we kind of, we're talking back and forth on Twitter and saying how this is a team that, and even before the game, we kind of talked about this is a team where you can't let your guard up because this, they're going to keep shooting the basketball. This, this team is going to get up and down. You got guys like Rozier, uh, Melo Ball, these guys, and Kelly Oubre. I mean, these guys got P.J. Washington. All these guys will fire away from three even when they're not missing it, miss, when they're missing them. That's one thing about this team. And I, I just had a feeling, like, I didn't think it was going to get as close as it was. I mean, you had a 35-point lead. I didn't think it was going to get down to single digits or anything, but that that's exactly what happened. I think the Grizzlies kind of let their guard down. We had to scare with Ja. I think everybody in Memphis collectively held their breath at that point, tripped over the cameraman. Uh, Taylor Jenkins had some strong comments in the postgame about that particular situation. I think that kind of had the Grizzlies discombobulated a little bit thinking about that, but this game shouldn't have got that close. Uh, and it just felt like that clock was never going to run out, man. Every time I look it up, I'm like, it's still nine minutes left in this game. Like, this is getting scary now. Like, like I, I, was felt, I felt comfortable until it got down to, like, nine. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous now. I, I thought the whole time I was like, man, they're up by 18, up by 15. I mean, it, this shouldn't have happened, but they'll be fine. And, man, it got even scarier than that, man. And, again, man, they ended up winning by seven. But this was a game where – We've so used to this team this season putting their foot on the gas and like running by playing teams that that's not not what happened yesterday. Yeah, you know they lead thirty six to fifteen after the first, and then they outscore the Hornets by ten in the second. So they're up thirty one going into halftime, and then it's it's ugly. It, it, the second half was terrible basketball by the Grizzlies. They were able to close this game out, and I. I, man, honestly, if job ja, if that injury, if Ja was not able to come back on the floor, they yeah, lose. They probably lose the game. Yeah, it's it's done. Like that, they lose this game because we we've watched them do this previously, where they would get a big lead early, and you almost see them kind of relax. You see them sag off of their man a little bit more, not attack a, a screen the way that they're supposed to. There's things that happen when they get these big leads and it scares me because against good teams and the Hornets, they're a 500 team, but they're a good team. They've got a lot of weapons on this team and you, you cannot, you can't let up the game will not allow you to cheat it, man. Like you will, to me, it's like the the basketball gods. When you try to cheat the game, you get what you're, what you deserve. And, And the Grizzlies were playing with fire last night. They were able to, 
hold it together long enough to get the win, largely in part to, to Ja Morant coming back in this game. But I, I hope that somewhere in the near future that they get past this state that, okay, we've got a 30-point lead we can let up. You know, you don't – like what happens – when you're blowing a team out, like you don't want to run it up crazy because then guys start getting stupid and you start seeing crazy fouls and stuff like that. But you could slow down your possessions and still play quality defense to kind of milk the clock out. But I don't think you start doing that before the fourth quarter, man. There's too much. If you start that in the third quarter, you're just asking for trouble. And, again, we've watched them do it in the past. Fortunately, last night they were able to hold on to the lead and, and get the win – but it was – I can't say that I was happy about this win. Like, I'm happy that they held on and they got the win, but it, it was ugly. It was extremely ugly. Yeah, but that, that's the most important thing, that they got the win. But it's definitely something concerning going forward because if you're going to be an elite team, when you have a 34 elite, you can't let that thing get down down to single digits. I mean, that's it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Usually when teams get up by 30, 30-plus 30 points, there's going to be some regression to the mean. But not getting down to where you have to sweat this thing out down in the fourth quarter. I mean, you don't go into coast mode in the third quarter. I mean, that's just you just can't do that. Uh, I mean, and again, I mean, the Hornets not taking anything away from them. They're a solid team. They'll probably be in the playoffs, playing uh, somewhere. But they're not some of the teams that you're going to be facing. Like when you're facing an elite yeah. team, if they had been a, a really good team, they would have lost that game. And there's yeah. no doubt about it. And I, I kind of mentioned this on the last post game we did. Montrez Harrell, I don't know what it is about him and the Grizzlies. Like, every time he plays against the Grizz, no matter what team he's on, it just seems like he has this vendetta. Like, he plays, he always plays with a lot of energy, but it always seems like there's something extra when he goes against the Grizzlies. He comes off the bench 20-9, and nine, uh, 7 and 8 from the field. Uh, just And he was a huge part of them getting back in this game and offensive rebounding, which is something that the Grizzlies usually do a, a good job of. I, I'm not mistaken, I think – down the stat sheet here, rebounds. Yeah, Charlotte actually out-rebounded the Grizzlies on the offensive boards, 18-16, to 16, and that's something that you never see. Grizzlies, number one in the NBA in rebounding, and you hardly ever – I can't remember the last time I saw a game where they were out-rebounding. They got out-rebounded on the offensive glass last night, and a lot of that had to do with Montrez Harrell and his work in the second half. I mean, he just kept keeping balls alive. I mean, they just got so many second-chance points in the second half. Uh, they miss a shot, get the rebound, somehow kick it out. Rozier or LaMelo would knock down a three. And that's one of the big reasons why they got back in this game was the second-chance points. And that's usually how the Grizzlies operate. And, and you got to look at the numbers. It's not egregious, lopsided, anything. I think the Grizzlies actually might have uh, led in second-chance points. But the second half is where most of that happened. The Grizzlies got most of their numbers in the first half. And, and again, man, Montrez Harrell, his energy off the bench, man, really was kind of the catalyst for this team getting back in this game. And you had – Terry Rozier with, with 35 points, knocked down six, six or 17 from three. LaMelo Ball, 25, five and 12 from three. I mean, they just got going. And that's one thing you can't do. When, when you have a big league like this, you can't let a team get confidence and see some shots go in. That's what happened. And they got hot, man. It just kept rolling. Got the jaw injury. Jaw went out. And I think that kind of took a little bit of win out of sales. But still, even without jaw, we see this team performing at a high level, man. You just can't let the game get to where, where it got to. Uh, free throw shooting. It's still been a problem. It was a problem again last night. Uh, the Grizzlies go 20 of 33, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for 60%. And that's becoming an issue. Uh, th this team is 
been up and down when it comes to the free throw line. There's times where it seems like everybody's shooting well, other times where the whole team struggles, and it's becoming now a trend where they've been bad for a long time now. It's been about a month where they've really struggled for the free throw line. I think I think that's an issue as well. I think that's something that they got to get figured out when you get down the stretch and into the playoffs because that can cost you games. When you're going against really good teams, man, you got to knock down your free throws, and that's something that they haven't been doing, especially Ja. I mean, the guy that's going to get into the paint, going to get to the free throw line a lot, he has to knock those free throws down, man. He's really, really been struggling as of late from the strike. Last 10 games for Ja Morant from the free throw line, he's shooting eight attempts a game, 67%. He's missed 24 free throws. The team overall in the last 10 games, that they have missed 74, and they're shooting 71% overall. That's near the bottom of the league. They're bottom three in the league from the free throw line. And you, I've said it time and time again, free throws win, you know, you hear defense win championships. Free throws win games, man. Free throws win the championships because when you get into these close games and you get in that last minute and a half and a team is fouling you and sending you to the free throw line, you got to knock those down. You have to knock those down. And and they were awful last night. Plenty yeah. of 33. If you take away Desmond Bain's seven for seven from the free throw line, like he boosted this percentage. The Grizzlies are 50% from the free throw line without Desmond Bain last night. And that, that's not acceptable, man. I, like I am not naive enough to believe that this team is going to shoot 90%. That That's not feasible, but you can't shoot 70% as a team. And that's something I know that Ja puts work into his game. And I know that that's like, I, I feel like that's something that he's going to focus on. It damn sure better be something he focuses on yeah. because the way that he attacks the paint, he's going to get to the free throw line. And as he continues to ascend and he starts to get these, these uh, all-star car calls, the superstar star calls, I'm struggling, man. I can't talk today. Can't have drawn out my arms. But once he starts getting the superstar calls, him shooting 67% from the free throw line is detrimental to this team. And he knows that. I, I'm not saying anything that Ja doesn't know, but they, they have to be better. I don't know if it's something in the air, something in the water. I, I have no idea what it is, but it seems like teams from Memphis just cannot shoot free throws, and it drives me insane. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is because you you look at the players on this team and you wouldn't think at all this would be a, a bad free throw shooting team. Outside of Steven Adams, most of these guys, historically have shot a really good percent. Your power forward and Jaron Jackson Jr. has been a really good free throw shooter historically. Uh, and if you're you're big, I mean, I know Stephen Adams is not a good throw shooter, but to have your, your power forward, most power forwards usually aren't great free throw shooters, and Jaron is a pretty good free throw shooter. So it's weird, man. It, it just seems like they go through phases, but this one seems to be kind of extended. Um, and you talk about yesterday, uh, John Morant, two of six. If it wasn't for Desmond Bain, seven to seven, Anthony Melton, four of four off the bench. Would, he's a guy that's struggled more than usual as of late, but he knocked down 4-4 four four last night. If it wasn't for those two guys, this would be like I, I, crazy how bad they shot for the free throw line. But Ja, I know he puts the, the work in. It's weird because there are times, again, where he's been money from the line at, at different periods. And now it's just I – mean, he was missing badly yesterday. Like it wasn't even just in and out, man. He, he clumped on yesterday. And it's just weird, man. And, that, and that's definitely something that they have to focus on. Um, I think – their biggest weaknesses on this team are, are that uh, half court half court offense is another. I think if you're going to point it to a weakness of this team, I think those are kind of two of the things. And, and we talked about not 
holding on to these big leads. And those are things that they have to get cleaned up. Uh, if they're going to be the elite team, your third best, best record in the NBA, I think saying this is an elite team, I think is kind of short-sighted. Some people still kind of shine away from that. But again, man, I think the sample size is big enough now to where you you could say that with, with pretty much confidence. This is one of the better teams in the NBA. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But again, there are definitely flaws there. And late in the season, man, you love to see these things get cleaned up. And yesterday, that wasn't fun. I mean, it, and then you topped it off with the jaw injury scare, which, man, that was God, man, I was freaking out. I mean, you think, like, of course, this dude gets picked to be an all-star starter, and he's not going to be able to play in the game, man. Like, that's just our luck. It just seems like we kind of have, have bad luck with, with things here in Memphis. But, man, I was so glad to see him able to come back in the game. It looked like he was still kind of hampered a little bit, but then you see him, like, get fouled going up for, for a 360, pretend like he was going for a dunk. So he looks like he was he was fine. I, I think he came out of it all right. It looked like a pretty good role when, when, he, when, when he came, when he went out of the game. But, Luckily, he was able to come back in the game, man. I think we all had a sigh of relief there, man, because that would have been brutal, man, for him to get selected to the All-Star game and, and not have opportunity to play in. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it was uh, – another thing that, like, th- that was scary. I- I'm glad that he came back, and I don't feel like he was hindered at all when he came back. When he first got on the floor, I was really paying attention to it. And then um, Brevin on the broadcast, Brevin was like – we want to see him make an explosive play right here to see. But yeah, how he definitely made is. several. <laughs> and then, then he hits a cross and a euro step, makes a layup, and you know, ankles fine. <laughs> it's good. You know, I, I don't know what treatment they done when they went to the locker room. You know, tape, whatever it was, but they, they got him back out there, and I and I was glad for that. But there was some other weird stuff happening in that game yesterday. Miles Bridges is not typically a guy that's associated with kind of questionable plays slash dirty. I'm, I'm not going to – I hate to even use that word, but he had some stuff yesterday that was very, yeah. very, like, borderline, what What are you doing, man? Like, that, the one – you know, Zaire dunked the ball, and he came up, and, and it, like, he was swinging hard. And I know that, you know, yeah, he, he's trying to block the shot, but that could have ended awfully – Luckily, Zaire yeah. had a hold of the rim. He, you know, he kind of – I don't know if he saw him behind him. So, I was going to say kind of like the one we saw in the, the Duke game. I, was like, I think Duke and Clemson oh had a similar goodness, play like man. that, like the undercut. Man, that is I'm, I'm dangerous. Telling you, you got a guy in the air and you undercut yeah. I me. Mean, that is I'm getting ejected. man. Pa- Paolo Banchero, <laughs> when that dude from, from Clemson walked past yeah. him and kind of brushed shoulders, it would have been over. That dude would have been getting all the smoke. We, we're finding out who's whooping who right here because that's <laughs> – like that was not a basketball play. No, not at, at all. At all, not even close. Like I realize that getting thrown out, like when you're one of the better players on your team, is not helping anything. But, dude, that that is not, that's not okay. Yeah, I cannot believe that they just kind of let him walk off like that. Yeah, I'm like, nah, that that dude, something should have happened. But one hundred percent. You know, I, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I never wish injury on anybody at all. You know, I, I don't know that they're going to retaliate if they play again, and I don't know Duke's schedule well enough to know. I wouldn't imagine this late in the season that they'll play again, but who knows? It, I just it, it just bothered me that you know he walked past three Duke players after doing that to their teammate, and they were concerned with their teammate. I I get that. Yeah, but, yeah. My, my first instinct would have been like, all right, bro, let, <laughs> like let's go. You're you're getting the hands. Yeah, because some people kind of asked that question the other night when Marcus Morris had the, the foul on Jaw. Like, why did anybody tell you? I think the main concern was making sure Jaw was all right at that at that point. I mean, it's such yeah. a 
crazy fountain. Jaw hopped right back up. Like he was like, man, I'm used to playing on concrete. That was nothing basically. But yeah, man, you you just can't do stuff like that, man. I mean, it's not a basketball play. And anytime a guy's up in the air doing anything, man, that's extremely dangerous. Because uh, I mean, you can come down and break all kinds of stuff. I mean, that could be a terrible, terrible situation. Could have you out for a season for for moves like that. So yeah, man, I I, I noticed that it was well with Bridges, and I've never known him to be. That type of guy, but he just—I think he was just super frustrated. But still, man, you can't can't make plays like that. Yeah, you know, shots weren't falling for him. He's had one heck yeah, of a year. You know, yeah, he's having a career year there in, in Charlotte. You know, two two for thirteen from the field for only eight points, and the the Grizzlies were just putting it on him, just destroying yeah. him early. Uh, but you know, it, it's luckily nobody got hurt, and I knew I knew already. Like when I saw. After the first play, like he pushed Ja, and did you see Desmond Bain after the initial? Like the uh, Ja was going after a ball that was going out of bounds, and Bridges pushed Ja in the back. Ja goes face down on the sideline. Did you see Desmond Bain? He was on the bench, dude. Like Desmond went when Bridges. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see Bain. No. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like so, the camera they they showed the replay. And uh, Bridges pushed Ja. Ja goes belly down, slides, you know, off the floor. Bain immediately, dude, he shot up, and he didn't go out onto the floor, but he stepped right toward Bridges. And you could see, like, he was – I don't know what he said because his, his lips were covered by the mask, but I can only imagine it wasn't anything nice because he – like, he gets up, he goes right towards that, you know, right towards the, the out-of-bounds line, and he's pointing at Bridges, and I'm like, yeah, I – Bane's ready for it. Like he, he's, yeah, you, you, you know, love to see it, man. And then people yeah. talk about they think light skinned guys aren't ongoing, man. If there's Bane ain't that guy, man. I think he's he's about that smoke. Like I, yeah. and, and you love to see it because you want to see guys defend their teammates. And he's definitely, I think, a guy that's that's not scared. I mean, you saw. Remember the going back to the Knicks game, Julius Randall over there in the huddle. There's Bane was ready to go. Like yeah. he, I mean, I know Julius Randall's a big dude, and he wasn't backing out at all. He's like, man, I got these got these biceps, man. I'm. I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> yep, for sure. But it, it was – I just remember seeing, like, when they cut the camera and you see Desmond Bain, I'm like, he, man's running up the chimney. He wants all of it. Let's get it. <laughs> all <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> um, man, team stats-wise, Grizzlies 49% from the field, 47 of 96. They they got outpaced again. Charlotte is a team in the league that, that generally pays plays with pace with the Grizzlies. Grizzlies 11 for 33 from three. Um, they were – Minus nine from the three-point line that the Hornets yeah. 14 of uh, 45 shot a, a lower percentage, but they didn't, you know, shot more, made more. Free throw line is just, man, 20 of 33 from the Grizzlies. Man, it's got to be better than that, man. That, that's that's 13 points, 13 points that should be on the board, and, and you you put those, and again, they're not going to shoot 100%, but that's uh, 60% is awful. Uh, the Hornets got to the line 33 times. They're plus six there. So plus nine at the the uh, threes, plus six on uh, free throws from the Hornets. Uh, the rebounding, the offensive rebounds, which uh, like Isaac said, rarely happens. The Hornets out rebounded offensively. The Grizzlies eighteen to sixteen. Overall, the Grizzlies out rebounded them by four. Thirty one assists from the Grizzlies. That's a good game. Generally, when you see assist numbers up like that, the Grizzlies are winning, and they did, but not in the fashion that you would have hoped with the way that this game started. Um, 17 turnovers from the Grizzlies, eight block shots. I, 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 you, you look at the box scores here, you look at those numbers and 
it tells you, yeah, this should be a close game based off of that. But if you watch this game, if you watch the way the Grizzlies were dominating this team in the first half, there's no way that you would think that this game should be like that. Yeah, it just I know, yeah, I test your eyes can lie to you. I I get all of that. But they just let up, man. They, they, it, there's no two ways about it. They let up on this team and allowed them to call back in. Lamelo Ball got hot in the fourth quarter. I think he yeah. had what, like, he had like nine points going into the yeah. fourth. Yeah, they, they had done a, then, a really good job on him for the majority of the game, and I mean, he got all the way loose in that fourth quarter. Um, and ended up with 25, and what, what did he shoot from three? Said earlier, uh, five of 12 from three, knocked yeah. down five threes. Rozier with six threes. I mean, they, those guys were just running wild in, in the second half. And again, a lot of it had to do with second-chance opportunities created by Montrez Harrell. I mean, he was just on a mission uh, late, late late in that game. It just always seems like he has a little extra when he plays against the Grizzlies. But we talk about the free throw shooting. And another thing that makes it even worse, I think, for the Grizzlies is they're a team that does so much work in the paint. They're going to get to the free throw line. They're going to get calls. And again, it's just knocking free throws down to 60% clip. I mean, you, that's 13 points. You're not going to shoot 100%, but you think I mean, you make, you make eight or nine more of those, yeah. I mean, yeah, after like, you're in, <laughs> in, in in really good shape. And, again, man, this has been something that's been a consistent trend for this team lately. It's been a couple months now where they really shot the, the ball free, for, poorly from the free throw line. I think they were kind of like a little bit less than middle of the pack, and I think that number has to be shooting down like a rock right now because, I mean, it seems like it's every game out there in the 60s, and that's just awful. Um, and, and for a team that has kind of, some of the, other, the pieces that they have on this team, you just wouldn't think they'd be that bad from the stripe. It's kind of weird to me. Yeah, you know, like, I uh, again, you can see Steven Adams is historically a bad free throw shooter, but Zaire Williams missed three free throws last yeah. year. Over three. And, and he is not a guy, like, I don't remember what his college free throw percentage was, but I, I don't expect him to be a bad free throw shooter. The Grizzlies are no. bottom three in the league right now. They're setting at 73% as a team, and that's 28 in the league. Only two teams are worse than them. The worst, the team with the worst record in the league, the Houston Rockets and the AARP Lakers. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's, uh, and again, man, that's something that you got to get cleaned up because when you get into a, a close game uh, and, you, like you said, you have a guy in jaw that's, going to get some of those calls late when he's going to the basket. you got to knock those down. And we've seen games this year. We had the, the first Lakers game, speaking of AARP Lakers in L.A., and Ja had an opportunity to uh, I think we win the game, and, and he ended up not – I think he had three free throws, was it? Uh, mm-hmm. A chance to, to win that game, and they ended up, ended up missing a couple, ended up going to, going to overtime. Or either – I think that was in overtime. They ended up losing the game because he didn't – didn't knock down the free throws, and, and that's the kind of things that happen. Uh, you get into a close game, and those free throws become magnified, man. If you can't knock them down, they can definitely, definitely lose a game for you, and that's something that you don't want to see. I mean, you hate to see a team lose a game free throw line because they're free. As they call them free throws for, for a reason, man, and, and you have an opportunity to knock those down, you don't, man. It can definitely, definitely cost you. I, I really, I'd like to get Brevin back on the show at some point here because he mentioned something. They were talking about free throws on the broadcast. And, and he talked about how free throws are not a rhythm shot. He said it's a completely different motion. Yeah. He said, yeah. yeah, you know, you've got your shooting motion that doesn't change that much. But he said a, a pull-up jumper from 15 feet is significantly easier than the 15-foot free throw, even though you're not being guarded. 
And so I, I would love to get him back on here and have him elaborate on that a little bit for us just to kind of, because, you know, we, we probably all at one point have messed around, played basketball, played it at the high school level, but we haven't played it at the highest level. Brevin has. And so he's got a far better understanding of how, like of the mindset that goes into it whenever a guy is going up there to the free throw line. And, and I was talking to a guy about it on Twitter and, and he mis- he mentioned pressure, but here's the deal. I, I get in a pressure situation when you're at the end of the game and, you know, you got to sink these free throws in order. And to sometimes probably got, got, got tired legs and yeah, a lot of like, that kind of stuff plays, plays into it. But, but I mean, when, these are NBA players. So, yeah. And, so. and, and on, on top of that, the, these guys are like DeAnthony Melton. I, I remember he, he had one like in not this game. Obviously, he was four for four against the Hornets. But uh, a couple weeks ago, or, you know, in these last 10 games, DeAnthony Melton in like the second quarter just smoked two yeah. of them. And yeah, it wasn't, like even, it, wasn't even close. Like he he shot one, and it like drilled the front of the rim, and then his second one. It was like off to the left, like yeah, the left hit the back glass, like almost broken. I was like, "What is yeah. going going on, man?" And those are not pressure free throws in the in the first half of a ball game. They're not pressure free throws, and I don't have the breakdown in front of me to tell you that you know the Grizzlies are shooting eighty five percent in the first half and shooting forty percent in the second half. I'm, I don't have that. I don't know what the split is there, but it, it, th- there is a difference. I, I'll give you when the pressure is on, it's different. I, I have played, you know, um, I, I used to play billiards. I used to play pool, and we made it to a national tournament. And the pressure is different when, when you're playing, when it really means something you could, you could go out there and you can shoot these shots a million times. And when the, when it's actual, when it's a game and it matters and it counts, it is different, but these guys do this night in and night out. This is, this is their job. They're playing 82 games a year. They're putting up hundreds of thousands of shots, probably inside of, you know, they have time to work on this and you hope that some of these guys that are really struggling and, and John Morant specifically just because of how important him making free throws is going to be. You hope that these guys are putting in work on that. And, and I don't know that they aren't, I'm not saying that they aren't, but I for sure hope that they are just because especially when you get into a good matchup, like if they make it to the second round of the playoffs, them being able to make those free throws are going to be crucial. Yeah, man. And speaking of speaking of the, of the playoffs, uh, you just kind of look at the standings right now, and man, you were hoping the Lakers could have pulled that game out last night because it would have pulled the Grizzlies. I think um, would have pulled them within two games uh, of the Warriors if they're two and a half back right now. Uh, and, and I know the Warriors are without Draymond, but I, I've watched a, a lot of that team over the last couple of weeks, and I think it's even more than that. I think. We talked about Steph and, and his struggles. I think that's a big part of it. I don't know what's going on with him. Shooting-wise, it just seems like ever since he broke the record, three-point record, he's really struggled. I mean, efficiently, not even just from three, even just on regular shooting, his numbers have been super inefficient over the last month and a half. And to the point last night, you watch, if you were watching that Warriors-Lakers game, for the majority of that crunch time late in the fourth quarter, he wasn't even in the game. They had Jordan Poole. Uh, Kerr went with Jordan Poole over him. He did come back in, I think, with maybe a little bit under two minutes to go. But Jordan Poole was the guy for most of that time, and Clay was doing his thing and just going otherworldly. Uh, late, late that four quarters, just knocking out everything. 
But I, I don't know what's going on, but that team just doesn't – of course, they're still good, but they just don't look dominant to me over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you, they lost to the Knicks uh, at home the game before. Almost should have probably should have lost to the Lakers last night. And I, I didn't think – somebody was – I had a conversation about a week ago, and somebody was saying, oh, well – uh, the Grizzlies are still in competition for the two seed, and I think at that time they were like four, four and a half games back. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't see it. I just think even if the Grizzlies go nuts, I just don't think with twenty something games left that the Warriors are going to play bad enough for the Grizzlies to make up four games. Like even if the Grizzlies go crazy, I just think Warriors are going to keep winning. But now, man, I, I look at the Warriors' schedule going forward, and they got they got a really tough schedule. It has to be one of the toughest in the league going forward. And I, I think there's opportunity for the Grizzlies there. And I think there's a huge difference between three and two because number one, obviously, if you advance to the second round, you end up with two home series if you're the two seed. But also, you got to look at the teams that are, are probable for you at three versus the ones that are two. At three, you're looking at possibly that 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 cluster of Jazz, uh, Nuggets, and Mavericks. And of course, the Nuggets are they came out with a report I think yesterday that they're likely to get uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray back sooner than resident later, so they're going to have those guys back. Uh, we talked about the Jazz and, and how we think that's a tough matchup for the Grizzlies. We kind of saw that last year. Now, they might be a little bit better equipped. I think the Grizzlies are better. You trade out JV for Steven Adams. I think he'll do a little bit better job against Gobert than, than JV did. I don't think he completely neutralizes him uh, the, the kind of way he did JV because they needed that offense from, from JV in that series. We saw how that went. And the Mavericks, even though they, they moved Christoph Rosingas, I think I'm not scared of any of those teams. I'm not, not scared of the Mavericks. I just think if you have the opportunity to play different opponents, I think you, you'd rather avoid that matchup. Um, and you look at number the two seed, you're looking at Minnesota, the Clippers, and, and I, I think I would rather take my chances against those teams than having to play because I think I, I believe they would beat the Mavericks and, and, and the Nuggets, but you're looking at Nuggets, you're talking about altitude. You have to go out there and play at Denver. They're getting their guys back. You got to deal with Jokic. Uh, with, with Utah, we know that's can be a tough matchup. That's kind of at altitude, too. So you'd rather avoid those matchups. So if you get up to two, man, I think that would be huge for this team. And I think it kind of give you, gives you some, some better options, obviously, a matchup. Because I, I really like the matchup. Even though Minnesota has historically been a tough matchup, I don't, I'm don't. i not worried about them in the playoff series. I think the Grizzlies would handle them. And, and the Clippers, the Grizzlies have had their number all year, even with the new additions, Norm Powell and Robert Covington, who played really well. I know Paul George, I guess, is going to come back at some point. It's been kind of weird on that. For different things, I don't know. It's been kind of quiet on that front, but I, I like the matchups against those teams versus some of those teams that you'd probably be looking at if you end up with the three seed. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. That that is, I was scrolling through here while you were talking about that just to look and see. Right now, where we are, the Grizzlies forty and eighteen, so almost sixty games into the season. They're the third team in the league to get to 40 wins. No team in the Eastern Conference can get to 40 wins before the All-Star break. And there's still people down this team. There's still people it's that are crazy, saying man. that they're not real contenders. And, and I can't wrap my mind around it. 60 games into the season, you're three-quarters of the way into the season, and, and you're the third team in the league to 40 wins. At what point do you start respecting this team? Who, who do they have to beat? And go ahead and name anybody that you want to. And, and I they beat everybody. That they beat them <laughs> this year. And, and I get it that the playoffs are a different monster. 
but these guys are playing at an extremely high level and and they're closing games last night the game should have never got to where it was at but the fact that they showed the maturity to be able to okay let's do what we need to do to stop the bleeding and get this win they were able to do that that's just a, a testament to the growth from this team and i you know i would like for them to get the respect and problem, you know, maybe the players across the league are showing them the respect and the media is not. But I, I think this team, it, you know, if they continue to play at this level and they get in these playoffs, I think they're going to su- surprise a lot of people. And, you know, like I said, I, I've witnessed a lot of people that, that are just kind of, you, you look at the MVP, the last MVP ladder that came out. Man, I, that, that pissed me off so much, man. Of that, the CWD. You, you got the, the, the best Ball player. Up there and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and and I have no issue. I have no issue with Chris Paul be playing being up there. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I I, I just don't think he's top five. I, I, it's it's just hard. Even when you're not even the, the best player on your team, and he's only average. Like, and, and I and I know this this kind of the reason why I know because I I'm a with with the betting that I do, I always bet on Chris Paul to score ten points. There's that's kind of ten point six assists, and it, it, it hits almost every time. But there are times where you have to sweat that out. Like, and I know it's not all about scoring, but I mean, when you got a guy that's averaging 14 points a game versus a, a guy that's putting up almost 30 every night, I mean, that's like double. Like, I get that it's not all about scoring, it's about what you mean to your team, but Devin, Devin Booker is probably the best player on that team. I just don't see how this season you have Chris Paul in the yeah. top five of the MVP rate. I mean, I know it's a, people look at it like a lifetime achievement award, and that's not what it is. We know how great Chris Paul is, and Chris Paul can still have a huge impact on the game when you, when you play against Phoenix. There's no doubt about that, but Jaws just been so phenomenal this year. Things he's done, I mean, he's hit game winners, and I know people go back to the 10-2 and two spec without him. I, I don't even put any stock into that, man, but I, I just don't see how you have Chris Paul above John Morant in a lot of these lists, and they're like, some of these lists that have Chris Paul up at like three, and I'm like, I, I just can't see that. Maybe top ten, because like I said, anybody that knows the game knows the impact that Chris Paul has, but this season... I don't see how people continue to put him above some of the guys that that they have against. I mean, you, I saw one and had him above Giannis. I'm like, how do you have him above Giannis with the season he's having? Man, it's, but I, I think a lot of a lot of it is based on reputation. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I said I have no issue with Paul being in there. I have an issue with Morant not being in there, and I don't think that Paul should be above Morant at this point at all. You know, you mentioned Devin Booker. You've got two guys on that Suns team that you could you know, realistically mentioned in the MVP conversation because Devin Booker's having a heck of a heck of a year as well. And and it's, I think DeMar DeRozan is not getting the credit he deserves either. Yeah, He's been yeah man. That, the Bulls ridiculous team this year. near the top of the East. They're second in the East, and, and they're dealing with a, a, a ton of different injuries. You know, that they've had guys that have been – in and out for a while. Zach Levine got bad news, or I don't know yeah. if it's bad news, but he's going to see a specialist about his knee. That does not sound good for the Bulls. No. But, you know, DeMar DeRozan, that, you can't take away what he's been able to do. Uh, Lonzo Ball has been out for a while now. He's missed a significant amount of time. And this Bulls team has just kept chugging along. You've got DeRozan, you got Vucevic, and Vucevic is having a down year. But they, they've got solid players on that team. But for them to be second in the East – and DeRozan not being in that conversation either. It's just I don't know who's making these lists up, but I feel like they they're wearing blinders when they do it, man. 
And that's, you know, I mean, I'm bl- by blinders, I mean, kind of like the horse blinders, right? So like horse wears the blinders, they can see in front of them just fine, but they can't see to the left or right. Tunnel vision, man. You know, you've got the mainstream media that's pushing Steph Curry, Giannis, and some of these guys, rightfully so. Like before this. Like I have no problem with Giannis. Yeah, no issues with Giannis being up there. I have no problem. Like even though Curry's been slumping lately, the Warriors are, are, you know, top of the West. No issues with him being in there. He's the best player on that team. But they just don't seem to look left or right. It's only, oh, whoever this mainstream media is going to push. But, you know, we're, we're being a dead horse there, man, honestly. Like, we we know what it is. We know that it's Memphis. It's a small market team. People were complaining. Nikola Jokic was far and away the MVP last year. And you had guys like Nick Wright on Fox Sports. He's going to be the worst MVP in the history of the league. Somebody mute that man. Shut him the hell this is up. Craziness. That's it's ignorant. I I love watching like anything sports related. I, I love watching you know anything. Like if I'm not watching a movie or whatever, I want it to be something sports related. But some of these shows are just ignorant, man. I go back like the moment that I started kind of getting away from watching shows like that was first take when uh, so they were talking about uh, the Golden State Warriors and Max Kellerman with his whole ass chest said he would take Andre Iguodala. Andre Iguodala, yeah. yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you don't... There's no way you believe, you really believe that, man. You're just <laughs> talking to get ratings and get people talking. There's no way that yeah. you would take Andre Iguodala with Steph Curry. There's no way he believes that. I don't, I don't believe he believes that himself. Yeah, and that's... It's like, oh, let's flip a coin and... Stephen A won the coin toss, so he gets to argue Curry, yeah. and you have to argue Iguodala. Bro, okay, listen, Iguodala was a big part of those championship teams. He he made some clutch plays. There's no doubt about it. And you know, even after the the slide on Memphis, I can still give him credit for what he has done. I will give him no respect because of the way that you know he approached the stuff with Memphis. But I can give him credit for what he done in the past. But come on, man, that there's no. There's nobody on the planet that is not named Andre Iguodala that would take Andre Iguodala <laughs> to shoot the last shot he, over Steph Curry. He, he, uh, he might not even. He might not even do. He's <laughs> like, I'll let, <laughs> yeah. I'll let Steph shoot this, man. <laughs> exactly. And so you know, then you you have stuff like that, and then you see Nick Wright, and the, like there were a number of different guys that were bashing Jokic. Jokic was insane last year lost his number two player and he still carried that team to the playoffs he look what he's doing this year like yeah he, like he historic is historic in per right now like i think yeah. he's on track to maybe have the best per in nba history which is since they've been t- keeping that stat which is nuts like i know like for me i think when you look at the mvp ladder i would put jaw ahead of him and the reason why i would is because of where they are in the standings but yeah he yeah. Definitely, definitely deserves being top five like there's no yeah, it's if you take you can take any other superstar with the way that that team is constructed, take any other superstar in the league, and I and I would bet you money that their record is going to be worse. Oh, 100 percent. Because like I was watching the Nuggets players. I mean, dude is re- ridiculous. Like he's one of the scariest, but he can do it all. I mean, he can do it yeah. on the inside. He can step out and knock it down a three for you, offensive rebounding. I mean, he's assist. He's a great passer. I mean, he's just a phenomenal player. There's no doubt about it. Like you said, man, you're missing two of their major pieces in mm-hmm. Murray and, and Porter Jr. 
uh, pretty much all year, and Porter Jr. played a little bit. But to, to have them even where they are, I think is fantastic. Like you said, you replace that with most guys on that team. He might they might be in the play-in conversation, but most guys are not going to have them where they are. Even that right there at six, where they are. Yeah. Yep. We we have gone way off the rails. It's basketball talk. <laughs> it's what we do. We, yeah, we it's fun, man. Guys time and time again, we love basketball in general. How about the Memphis Tigers five in a row upsetting yeah. the number six team in the nation? And all of these penny haters are awful damn quiet right now. And I love it, man. I, I love it. And I just I hope that they continue. I hope this team continues to play well for the rest of the season and makes the tournament and makes a deep run. They they have the talent to do so. Penny done a great job recruiting. He's got a great staff there. And it seems like they've done a complete 180. Um, you know, and, and this isn't a Tigers podcast. If you want one of those, my man Isaac Simpson does one of those. So, so go over and check that out. But just great to see Memphis basketball in general is in a good spot. Over, you know, we got the Grizzlies playing well. The Tigers have turned around and been playing well after losing some games that that they shouldn't have. But, you know, Isaac and I, we were talking, and and just like last season, that team was playing bad early. And then they were able to put it together and they finished super strong. And hopefully they get this, you know, that they're on this five, five game win streak. They're able to keep it together and make a run into the tournament rather than, you know, kind of missing out on the tournament and having to go back to the NIT. Yeah. I think the difference this year, um, and I think they seem to be on a similar trajectory where really struggled early on. It just seems like in, in the Penny Hardaway era, that team, they have a hard time. They figuring things out from the jump. Like you think, in the offseason, they'd have things figured out. seems like it takes them a while to work through things. And they were really strong. Like, I think uh, last, at the end of last season, that team was a tournament-caliber team with the way they were playing. It just didn't have a resume. This season, they have some better wins already. They have to win over Alabama. Uh, they, they beat Virginia Tech uh, early in the season. They have some good wins. I think they're in a better spot. They have an opportunity, I think, not only to not just have to win the, the AAC tournament to get in. Depending on what they do over the next week, they got a game at Cincinnati – on Tuesday night and that SMU on, on Sunday. I think you win, even if you split those. Um, they have three games after the end that they'll be favored to win. Um, I guess at South Florida, the Temple, and Wichita State, both the Temple Wichita State at home. Those are three games that they'll be favored in. They have their finale at home against Houston. So I think if you find a way to split these next two, win those three games you're supposed to, and, you know, I mean, you have an opportunity to sweep Houston, which is fantastic. I mean, Houston was third in the net coming into that game. And if you kind of, put any stock into the net that's the best victory of any that any team has this season there's no team that's ranked high as houston was in the net going into that game that's lost at home so memphis owns probably the, according to the net the best victory of anybody in college basketball right now so that's kind of how you have to look at it and they were first four out in joe Lenardi's last bracketology before that game so as of today if you believe in joe, joe Lenardi, they were probably in the field with after that win yesterday so Definitely a turnaround, man. It just looked like things were going to go off the rails. A lot of crazy stuff going on with COVID and injuries. And you have to have the money-based stuff going on. We'll see how that plays out, see if he actually gets back on the court. He's back in Memphis uh, from going home to see a back doctor. So we'll see how that plays out. But shout-out to Penny, man, and those players, man, because they could have easily quit this year and they didn't. I know it's not a Tiger podcast. We're getting off the rails, but uh, I think people that in Memphis, they will – what won't mind a little Tiger talk to add on here at the end, but it was a great day, banner day for Memphis. 2-0, I kind of called it yesterday morning. I was like, y'all, ready for this 2-0 day, man? And it, it it came to fruition, man. So really, really good to see 
Hoop City basketball in Memphis, man, is is doing fine on this on this Super Bowl Sunday. It is indeed. Two two days off here. They're off. Uh, the Grizzlies are off Sunday and Monday, traveling to New Orleans. To oh play. man. <laughs> uh certified grizz killer cj McCollum, yeah. and the certified grizz killers pelicans man yeah yeah <laughs> so, that 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 has a um a recipe for disaster for the grizzlies hopefully they are able to beat this team that you know yeah, they, they will yeah I, I i sure hope so but that two more games before the all-star break the game in new orleans on tuesday and then the game at home against portland on wednesday then we hit the all-star break the grizzlies have a chance to hit my prediction for win totals by the all-star break, I would be so happy if they did. I think that they will handle business at home against Portland. The New Orleans game scares the crap out of me. Hopefully, Jai's okay. Like I said, he came back into the game. Ankle looked fine. I don't suspect that we'll see him set out either one of these games. But either way, I think this team is equipped. They have a shot to beat either one of these teams, even if Jai is out. They've done it before this season, or not beat these two, two teams specifically, but they've won without Ja this season. So, you know, if he if they do decide to let him rest so he can go to the All Star game fully healthy, I'm I'm fine with that as well. I, I would I'm just excited to see him in the All Star game. Speaking of the All Star game, we are still doing the giveaway. You have time to sign up if you have not yet. Go on Twitter, find at Ethos Grizzlies. There is a tweet. From January 20th, I believe, was when we started it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was the date. But we are giving away a Ja Morant jersey. All you have to do to be entered to win is like and retweet. And we will announce the winner following the All-Star game on February 20th. Do not miss out on your opportunity. We are shipping that anywhere. So wherever you are, if you're listening to the show, we've had you know listeners, Australia. Uh, I had a guy in, in, in France that I've communicated with. Wherever you are, New Zealand, if you're listening to us because of the big Kiwi, we appreciate you guys. Get in there, find the tweet, like it, retweet it, get entered to win. You can get me on Twitter at D. Whoa, no, it's not. Look at it. I almost messed up, dude. I told you almost every time. I'm at David W. 2111. Isaac, you got anything else before we get out of here, man? Yeah, man, just a couple couple final thoughts here, man. Kind of, kind of a weird road trip for the Grizzlies. They actually, usually when teams on a road trip, they don't. Come back home. Pete Brannock mentioned on the broadcast uh, last night that they're actually coming back. They came back home, came back to Memphis last night gonna, so they can be at home and, and watch the Super Bowl with their family. So they're going to get a practice in tomorrow morning and then fly out to New Orleans tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but, man, we got to break that curse, man. Uh, even the first victory, the first game this year, the Pelicans were able to get the, the victory, man. It's time for that to end. I mean, this is a different different Grizzlies team, different time. And that was back when they were struggling earlier this season. I got a feeling they get off this nod and finally – get to the elusive victory against the Pelicans. You hope that's the case. And they're on the back-to-back with, with Portland the night after, and those are the two games before the All-Star break. They'll be favored in both of those games, and hopefully they can get those two in the back pocket go into the All-Star game with, with 42 wins. And I, I've been kept keeping track of the franchise win record, second back in 12-13, 56 wins. If they're able to pick up those games, man, they would only have to go 15-7 and post-All-Star break, which if you kind of look at the trajectory of their own, that should be almost a given, barring – anything weird going on and even so the team has persevered even when weird stuff has going on but yeah man they pick up those two wins they'd be 15 and 7 away from 57 wins and breaking all-time win record and that's kind of important to me because I feel like I feel like this is the best team in franchise history and I would love to see that cemented with with 57 plus wins so keep an eye on that man but it'd be nice to put those two in the back pocket going into the all-star break but you can find me on twitter at Isaac underscore rivals I-S-A-A-C 
underscore rivals. Uh, again, man, Tuesday night, we're just taking on the Pelicans. We'll be back with a post game uh, uh, sometime around then. And so stay tuned to the Antigua Grizzlies and go for our Twitter pages. And until next time, we don't.